everyone. Welcome to Afraid Not Podcast. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall, and we're so glad that you are listening today. And this is episode number 40. Wow. Wow. Number 40. Today we're going to be talking to Heather Maxwell-Carnes. Heather is a nurse, and so we thought it would be kind of fun to talk to you, or, or that it would be interesting to talk to a nurse during this time and see what their perspective is on the pandemic and everything going on. Plus, we get her story and her testimony, which is really fun. And Heather is so sweet and genuine and comes from a background of faith. She's a very inspirational person to be with, and we hope that you all will enjoy the conversation that we have today. One of the things that really was impacting to me that Heather talked about was the power of a praying parent and how she knows that her parents and her family members and loved ones prayed for her and made a difference for her in a time in her life that she looks back at now and and sees that it was a really, she was at a part of her life that was really hard. And so it just encouraged me to never stop praying for my kids, to never stop. She also talks about the hospital at this time and how to stay out of the realm of fear with everything going on. So we think you'll enjoy this and listen in to Afraid Not. Thanks so much for coming today. Thanks for having me. We are really grateful for your time and excited for you to share your story with us. And all of our listeners are going to love you like we do. So We are so excited. Heather and I go way back. <laughs> we were workout buddies. Yes, Zumba. <laughs> yes. Oh, Zumba's awesome. Zumba so. doesn't like my knees, unfortunately. I can't do Zumba anymore. But that's neither here nor there. You must but. have been. Vigorous Zoomer, man. Hurt your knees. I feel like I've watched Heather grow up, though, so I'm excited to get her story. So, give us a little snapshot. Tell us a little bit about what your life looks like. Well, we have been members at First Baptist for 20 plus years since my parents moved to Owasso. So, we've been at the church for a long time. Um, grew up in the church and. Um, got married four years ago to Eric, my husband, and I'm a nurse at St. John in Tulsa, um, have been a nurse for 11 years at that hospital, so. Okay. How did you and Eric meet? Um, he was down in the ER, um, working, um, at St. John's and we, Started out as friends for a couple years, um, just really good friends down there in the ER. And then um, he asked me on a date, and so went on a date and then dated for a couple more years, and then we got married. Yes, I remember when you started dating. I remember having those conversations about, there's this guy at work. Yes. I think I'm going to start dating him. I remember Chris and I had a lot of fun getting to have dinners with you and Eric as you were getting close to your wedding and talking through all those fun things, those topics with premarital counseling. It's a lot of fun to do. It's sweet, sweet memories. Yes. Can you believe it's already been four years? That is really amazing. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. It's flown by. It's been fun. Does he he also still work at the ER? No, he... um, Works at Magellan um, as a pipeline controller. Okay, cool. Oil company, gas and oil. So maybe he was just working there just so he could meet you. May- maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. 
Well, I think God is good. He can um, arrange things for us in such a beautiful way. So it's probably part of his grand design for your life. So. And you grew up at First Baptist Owasso? Yes. Your whole life? 20 years of it, okay. yes. Before that, um, my parents lived in Anadarko, Oklahoma. Okay. So was there for 10 years and then moved to Owasso. Okay. And you were homeschooled, correct? Until the 10th grade. Until 10th grade. And then went to private Christian school. Yeah. And then where did you go to college? I got my associates in nursing from TCC um, and then got my bachelor's from Oklahoma Wesleyan. Wow. So did you have a great experience with homeschooling? Was it a really positive growing up for you? I think so. I think my mom was a phenomenal teacher. I think she's a phenomenal woman for sure. I I know your mom and love her. Yes, she did. I mean, and that's, of course, all I know, so I can't really say. And you have a sister and two brothers. Yes. And you all are super close. We are. We're best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love following you guys on social media and seeing how close you guys are. It's yes. very cool. That's something parents long for for their kids, to grow up loving each other, being friends. Yeah. I remember telling Emily when we were expecting Eric and saying, Eric's our, we had already decided to name him Eric, and talking about how you're going to be best friends for life. And um, they are really, and also Maggie has come along too, but all three of them are really close, which... Is such a joy, and you know, for parents out there that wonder, I don't know, my kids are just at each other's throats all day. Well, don't worry because they can grow into loving each other dearly. So <laughs> it was not always, it was not always best friends. I remember um, growing up, my sister, my mom would say the same thing to her. You know that we're going to be best friends one day. She'd put us in matching outfits <laughs> to make to make it happen, <laughs> and I hated it, but. How close, how far apart in age are all of you? You're all two to two and a half years apart. Okay. And you're the youngest? Girl. Yes. Youngest it girl. Goes, and then there's? Rachel, me, David, and Daniel. Okay. <laughs> so middle child. Yes, youngest girl. So I would love to hear, what are some things that you have a passion in your heart for? Things that maybe the, the things that God has just put in you that really are some things that you love and ways that you love to use your gifts to serve him or what are some of your passions in, in life? Well, part of my passion kind of coincides with my hobby. I love, um, my husband and I actually love CrossFit. We love to work out together. So I think, um, that that is a passion of mine too. Health, wellness. I mean, cause you need to not only take care of your mind, but the body that God gave you too. So I think that that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy that. And then, um, of course, working for me, I went into a, a field that was a passion of mine. I love helping people um, physically, mentally, um, just so that's why I went into nursing. Did you always know you wanted to be a nurse? No, I knew I wanted to help people. Um but not until I was probably 18 when I first started going to college did I realize that I wanted to do nursing. So, But I love being able to help people and make them feel a little bit more at ease because um, I know it's scary whenever you're in a hospital. You don't necessarily want to be there. You're in pain, scared. Right. So I find it that that's a great opportunity to witness um, with my actions, with my speech, um, to be able to help people. So. 
Absolutely. How long have you been doing CrossFit? Um, four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. And since you got since you guys got married. Yes, he was. Yeah. He's been doing CrossFit longer, and I hated it at first, <laughs> but he got me hooked. So. Do you, do you do competitions and stuff now too? Yes. Yes. Wow! How uh, cool. Only a, a couple times a year, typically, but. <laughs> not. That's very impressive. Thank you. <laughs> it's fun to have a hobby that your husband and you both enjoy. Absolutely. Fun to do that together. Yes. Would you say that's one of the things that makes your marriage fun and, and special? Yes, I do. Find something that you both... I mean, it's important to have your things that you do separately, but it's also fun that we can do that every day with each other, um, cheer each other on, encourage each other that way. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about your nursing job. Like, what, what, it, what do you do as a nurse? What kind of nurse? So I work in the cath lab um, prep and recovery area, so all cardiac. Um, We do pacemakers, um, heart calves, ablations. I mean, so anything related to the heart pretty much. Um, And I prep them for their their procedure, um, meaning just vitals, admissions, uh, admission questions, start IVs, that type of thing. Um, They go back for their procedure and then... I get them whenever they come back out um, and just recover in that way. So so you can be the first person to smile at them and yes. reassure them when they're coming out of anesthesia. Yes. You'd be surprised at how many people ask for prayer beforehand because oh, I think it's very, cool. I think they're very scared typically mm-hmm. of the unknown. Mm-hmm. What a sweet time for you to be able to, to pray with someone. It's just needing that touch. That's great. Yeah. So what are the hospitals looking like right now with everything going on with the pandemic? So obviously the elective procedures, um, the number dropped dramatically um, because they were not wanting to bring people, patients in um, with COVID going on. So um, now that the phase one is happening, though, we're starting to put more um, more elective procedures back on. So we're starting to get a little, little busier and pick up now. Um, but overall, the census has been extremely low um, hospital-wide because they're trying to keep patients out as much as possible um, to keep them home, keep them safe. Mm-hmm. So, Have you dealt with any apprehension or anxiety of going into the hospital every day, just knowing, here I go, and there are people that are probably going to be in the hospital with COVID-19? Um, I myself have not dealt with that, um, but a lot of my coworkers have been. And so um, fear is obviously very contagious. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I have to separate myself from those people because um, mm-hmm. I don't want to live in fear. And I think a lot of it for them was fear of the unknown since it's a new virus. Right. Um, so, I mean, I mean, it's, it's a legitimate fear, I guess, but I don't want to be in constant fear like some of them have been acting so I try to remove myself from that situation mm-hmm. but so do they do you have to take your temperature every day before you go to the hospital yes yeah the screening process has been a lot more um there's been a lot more to it so yeah we have to get screened every day um for any symptoms all of the staff no visitors are allowed obviously for mm-hmm. the patient. And your personal protective equipment you have every day, yeah. like head to toe. What is, what is yours? Your PPE. Um, we're required to wear a mask um, the entire time that we're in the hospital. 
Um, and then if we go into a person who's under investigation for COVID, we have to wear the, the whole getup, <laughs> the mask, the face shield, hairnet. Wow. Shoe covers yeah. <laughs> and all. So, yeah. Have you had very much of that, very many patients that might have it? Um, yeah, until their, um, until their test comes back positive or negative, um, you have to basically treat them like they're positive, and so you have to dress like that. Um, but for, now we're doing screenings, or excuse me, swabbing um, for all of the outpatients coming um, for procedures. They all have to be swabbed. Um, is the swabbing the test for COVID-19? Yeah, so they take it basically a long Q-tip and you shove it up their nose Ooh. until it can't go back anymore. Sounds really, I was say, really it testing like really, like you go up really high in the nose? Yes. Like worse than flu yes. testing? Yes, you're oh. supposed to. Yeah, and hold it there longer than the flu test too. Um, oh. And then, so with that, you're supposed to be um, obviously completely gowned up and mask, gloves, all that too, so... We've been doing a lot more of that yeah. recently. So, Is it lessening at all at this time, or is it still pretty heavy? The po- uh, people coming back positive? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's lessened. It's lessened. I okay. feel like it has. Yeah. Good. It'd be interesting to see, since they can do an antibody test now, how many people were not having symptoms um, that come back positive. Right. Or like having had it. Asymptomatic. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I wonder if they're ever going to do testing for everybody? For like the nurses and doctors and stuff who are taking oh, care of people. Yeah. I'm just curious about that. about that. Well, I know because Sean works at, a, at the cancer treatment and he has to take his temperature every day when he gets to work. And he had to work the door last week where he had to take people's temperature and do the screening and tell people they couldn't have people with yeah. them coming yes. in for treatment. Yeah. So yeah. that's hard. And that's been, going back to your question about, you know, have I been kind of fearful or whatnot with during this time it's just I guess that's been the biggest change is having to adapt to the new procedures and stuff I mean that's been a little hard um, out of the norm so, mm-hmm. do you know how long they're going to keep that I don't know that's the biggest question in the world right now yeah. how <laughs> how long, long will yeah. this yeah with them opening even each phase <laughs> I mean, you know, you don't know if it's going to be another spike. Right. So we're going to have to backtrack then. I mean, we'll, we'll just have to play play it by ear, it sounds like. so. We've been t- commenting in our home with how many things end with, we don't know. Yeah. We'll, right. we'll, we'll see. Right. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So um, do you have times in your life that things have become frayed and knotted? Things that have been difficult that you want to talk about? Jill, that's such a clever use of afraid, afraid not in your conversation. We're not afraid to tell our stories. And we you're not are not. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your testimony. How did you come to know Christ? What is your What was your story growing up with that? So when my, like I mentioned, my parents have been at the church, you know, for the last 20 years. But um, growing up, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, so... I always knew about Jesus. My parents made sure to instill that in us in a very young age. And when I was um, five years old, I remember um, understanding, you know, the difference between right and wrong and sinning um, and the importance of asking Jesus to come into your life. So 
I did that when I was five years old. I asked him to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior, and my mom helped me with that decision. She helped guide me through that and the, um, the prayer for that. What a treasure of a memory. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had just been disciplined. She had just spanked me. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember saying I didn't want to be bad or sin anymore. And so she used that as a opportunity to tell me how I could be forgiven of my sins um, and what God did for me on the cross. So, mm-hmm. um, so growing up um, past that point, um, I obviously had Jesus in my life to be able to guide me through my decisions, um, continued to grow as a Christian. And then in my teen years, um, I began to make that more of a personal journey with him because I was old enough to kind of understand Mm -hmm. um, a little bit more about my walk with him. So um, that's when I really started doing more quiet times and deepening my relationship with him. Um, When I was about 18 years old, I um, started um, a downward spiral um, and started making not wise choices. And um, I had obviously my parents praying for me and my my sister, my siblings um, were praying for me during that time, and my best friend um, was praying for me at that time. So I think that was huge, having those people in my life praying for me during um, the times where I was not making wise choices. Because even though I was um, kind of disregarding God at that time and, and my relationship with Him, I feel like their prayers are what helped me turn around and be able to find find that relationship with Jesus again. Did you know at that time that they were praying for you? Didn't no, no, I did not. Yeah. I just kept feeling kind of guilt with all the decisions that I was making. Um, and I kept trying to put, push Jesus away. Um, but for some reason, which now I can say it was the prayers of them, but um, for some reason I just kept coming back to Jesus and back to what my roots, what I knew was right, back what my parents, the verses they would instill in me as a child. So, mm. um, so that's kind of my happened through my first part of my twenties, probably. Um, and I remember my I had been dating guys on and off, and a lot of toxic bad relationships, which Jill knows a lot of about mm-hmm. those. <laughs> um. And my sister, I remember her telling me that um, if I wanted a different outcome with the guys I was ending up with, I had to change some things about myself because I was attracting the wrong kind of guys. Um, So I remember I took a couple years to really, um, to not date anyone and just really um, focus on myself and my relationship with Jesus. And... During that time, that's when I met Eric, and I did not want to date him. I just wanted to be his friend because I was focusing on myself and mm-hmm. and God and my relationship with Jesus. And um, I remember my sister came up to me and said, well, she had met Eric because um, he would come over and hang out with our family at that time. But um, she had met him previously, and she, I remember her saying, you know, why don't you date him? She was like, I feel like he's really good for you and that he brings out the best in you. And I said, well, I don't want to ruin our friendship. 
because I felt like with the past, dating these guys had ruined ruined it. So um, anyway, so I gave that a try. And I think having that friendship as our base, Eric and my base, was a huge part in our relationship. Um, so yeah. I think that that um, was partially... To answer your question about afraid not, mm-hmm. that was something that kind of started um, that portion in my life was I was fearful of being alone. I was fearful of not having um, a good, healthy relationship with a guy. Um, but during those couple years where I really focused on God and myself, I grew to love um, Christ more and grew. He developed in me a love for myself and um and the love that I could pour out into others. I don't know. It just was, it shifted the focus altogether. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took the fear into, and put it into action of making wiser choices. But Yeah. I remember sitting having those conversations about, specifically when you were getting, starting to date Eric and you'd been hurt yeah. pretty recently. So you were just kind of a little shell shocked, but yeah. Yeah. What would you say to our listeners that are out there that maybe there's someone who is in that exact place where you found yourself as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, and maybe some of our listeners that are thinking, I I just keep finding myself in this same toxic cycle again and again and again. And what are some thoughts that you could encourage them with? Or maybe, I don't know, what would you say to yourself if you could look back to yourself as an 18-year-old and say, Heather... Listen, I want to tell you this, you know, um, words that would be able to help someone in that situation. Well, I would say that if I could tell myself anything at that age, I, it would be similar to what my sister had said in that you're worth so much more. And to know your worth, I feel like you need to have that relation, that close relationship with Christ Mm -hmm. because you can't put your worth in other people, um, and what they think of you. So to find your worth and identity in Christ, um, and I know that's hard whenever you are a people pleaser, um, but that's what probably helped me the most was putting my my worth in Christ instead of people. And at that point, I feel like you will choose what's best for you and not choose what's toxic mm-hmm. because you know that you deserve better. And yeah. you won't compromise at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard a quote before, and I think it was in a movie, but like how we accept the love that we think we deserve. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think that's what gets us into those cycles is we just think for some reason that we deserve certain things. And once we realize that God has more for us and we do, we can deserve more than that, it kind of does shift what we're looking for. So, Also... I I really love the fact that you know that the prayers of those loved ones really made a difference in your life. So I think that's a reminder to me right now as a mom, a reminder to everyone who's listening to this right now, that the people we are loving and we're concerned about, we see, we see the painful choices that maybe a loved one of ours is making, we should be on our knees for them, on their behalf. Knowing that God hears our prayers and knowing that His power is what makes a difference. And Heather's testimony of saying, 
now I know it was their prayers, but something kept drawing me back and drawing me back. And so I just want to be reminded today that praying for my children is such a privilege. And for all of us listening, we have people we love, we can be praying for, whether you're a parent or not. But that the the story that Heather is sharing is is so important to remember those loved ones need us to keep, keep praying for them. So here she is on the other side of it, so grateful to have come through that time. She's not still stuck in that cycle. And, and so it just also gives us hope, whoever we love that we're praying for, that God can see their future when we can't. So, yeah. And I feel like a, <clears throat> a verse that... I started um, praying when I was younger um, was Philippians, um, I believe it was 4, 6. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And I've always kept that on my mirror um, through all the mirrors that I've gone through and um, use that as a reminder. Um, So during that time when I was going through those hardships, I still kept it up on my mirror. Um, that time of meeting Eric, I kept it up on my mirror, the uncertainty there. Um, the times where, you know, he and I were unsure where to, where to move. I was fearful about that or kind of worried, um, you know, which house to buy, um, uh, the process of, you know, starting a family has been a little rough. So that's a good reminder with that. Um, and then also with even COVID that's mm-hmm. happening happening right now. I mean, it, that verse has just been my constant reminder through all those things. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about that because you were talking about not being in fear at the hospital mm-hmm. and staying away from people that were panic stricken, kind of. So, are those the things that you would recommend to when you have fear at these times? Is that verse and surrounding yourself with people that keep your confidence up? Yes, I would say because, I mean, every emotion I feel like is contagious, whether it's fear, peace, um, happiness. And so I try um, to be a positive, happy, um, I guess, source that people can come to. And whenever I'm, I'm a charge nurse on my unit. And so I know that too, people will look up to you um, and, and, um, your attitude just is contagious all the way around. I mean, if you're worried about something, it rubs off on mm-hmm. on all your staff, and even the patients can sense it. So I think it's just important to portray your strengths during these, these tough times. But um, And I can usually tell people's attitudes will, will be a little more at ease um, if, they can, if they can just get past the worry. It's... Yeah, uh, it's it's hard though. But sometimes they're just in their own world and they worry. And but that's so true. I hadn't even thought about like we look to our nurses when we're sick yeah. to give us to just be calm and make reassure yeah. us. I mean, that's a probably a huge part of your job. Yeah, I would say um, I recently was in the hospital with one of my kids, and it was a short, um, just in a couple of hours. Uh, but the nurse that. Kept, took care of my child, did such a great job. I would say that really that one particular nurse made all the difference, mm-hmm. <laughs> all the difference for us. And so um, I think I just want to thank you for all those times that you do that. And some people may not have the words to say, 
thank you, Heather, for being an encouraging nurse. <laughs> but for, you know, you are making a difference in so many thank of you. the lives of your patients. Thank you. Do you have any extra resources or anything else you want to share? I don't think so. Do you guys have any other questions for me? What do you like to, I don't know, any specific worship music that you like to listen to? Or do you have any um, apps that help you or podcasts or scripture references or something that has helped your life? Well, listening to you guys, of course. Oh, I'm glad you listened. <laughs> Afraid not podcast. Really <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I don't have a certain. I mean, obviously, I, my outlet that I said is usually working out. Yeah, I feel like that's a mm-hmm. something that I do to help. That's a good stress relief. Yeah. Yes, but I love all music. <laughs> so there's not just one one genre I like. So. Um, just take care of you. Um, I mean, during this time, I know it's stressful and the uncertainty is stressful, but you still need to do stuff for you. So whatever that may be, reading, listening to music, yeah, working out, right. just take, take that and, and go with it. You don't need to constantly be worn thin taking care of others. You still need to take care of yourself too. So. And that's a great message for all our nurses and first mm-hmm. responders out there that we appreciate. Absolutely. But take care of yourself. Yeah. And just thank you for taking the time to share your story with us and your encouragement with us. We really appreciate you. You're welcome. I appreciate you guys. Thanks again to Heather for coming and sharing her story. We just appreciate having her. I wanted to read the verse again that she mentioned, Philippians 4, 6 which says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, represent your request to God. And that is has that encompasses everything she talked about today. And I'd like for us to just end this episode today with a prayer. I just want to pray with you, listeners. Let's pray that God will help us to do what Philippians 4, 6 talks about. So please pray with me. Dear Lord, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you never change. You are the same yesterday and today and forever. And in our days that seem so uncertain and the future that we do not know what's going to happen with COVID-19, we rest in you and we trust you and we know that you have beautiful plans and purposes for your children. Help us to remember what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 tell us to do, that we should obey you by not being anxious and instead that we should have an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude in our heart thanking you for all the things that you're doing so abundantly for us taking care of us and lord we want to bring our requests to you and then you promise us in verse 7 that you will guard our hearts and our minds with the peace that passes understanding So we ask for that, and we ask you to to lead us and guide us through these days that we're walking through. Lord, we pray, Jill and I, that you would use Afraid Not to bless every listener today. Lord, may we walk with you and trust you more than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, guys.